Welcome to another episode of Mental Health Mondays, where we talk to guests who are either professionals in the mental health space, advocates of mental health, or those that live with or experience a mental health challenge. And just as a reminder, if you are watching this on YouTube, please make sure you mash down that subscribe button. Most likely, if you're watching this on Facebook or LinkedIn, you already follow us. But if you don't, make sure you follow and I am really excited to bring on my guest today, and I just apologize right now. I am getting over COVID, which was no fun last week. Um, it was supposed to be a fun week, and we ended up staying home, but it was still fun. So um, I, with all of that said, uh, make sure again that you subscribe, and without further ado, let me bring on my guest for today, Patty. Thank you so Hi. much for joining me. Oh, it is my pleasure. Good morning. Yes. So tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Okay. So <clears throat> I, um, I've i been working in the field of mental health and child welfare primarily, um, but I did start my career in the addiction space. Um, but I've, I've been working in the field for over 30 years and... Um, Due to falling caseloads at the foster family agency I was working at last year, I was laid off in April, which moved up my timetable for becoming a trainer and a coach. So that's what I'm doing now. Wow. I mean, so. lots of things that happened, right? But kind of led yeah. you into maybe your purpose at this point. Yeah. So I've always been very passionate for um, those who are in need. And I invest myself in doing everything I can to meet their needs. And so that has led me to pursue certifications and specialization, um, you know, beyond my graduate degree. So for instance, Three years ago, I became a TBRI practitioner, which is trust-based relational intervention, which is a trauma-informed modality. And then two years ago, I began exploring uh, the neurobehavioral model, which was created actually for those who have fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. Um, fetal alcohol spectrum disorder is unrecognized for the most part, but it hits a broad swath of our population. 5% of our general population are affected, regardless of whether or not they've been identified and diagnosed yet. Um, and that's based on the prevalence of unplanned pregnancies and the prevalence of alcohol use in our country. Um, so, but in foster care, which is where I worked for the last 22 years, it's 80% of kids in that population. And so I decided I'm going to find out everything I can about helping these kids and their families more effectively. And, um, and so that learning that model revolutionized my practice. And I was not in a position where I was training this model as much as I had hoped to within the context of my employment. Um, so this really getting laid off was a welcome change because it meant I could pursue getting a broader reach yeah, and wow. impacting more and more people. 
Yeah, that I mean, yeah. just the the stats that you mentioned. I mean, <clears throat> I guess yeah. in my brain, I would think that the the percentage is higher when you talk about foster care because mm -hmm. most of the time the reason they're in foster care is because the parents couldn't or didn't want to take care of them. Um, but also maybe they didn't know they were pregnant or whatever was happening. Exactly. And exactly. so, yeah, that is, I mean, that's a huge yeah. number. Yeah. Well, if you think about it, how far are most women in their pregnancies before they discover that they're pregnant? Yeah. Usually two to three months in. And by the time they find out they're pregnant, even if they stop using any substances, I mean, even certain foods that they shouldn't, right, that are harmful for a baby, um, the damage is done. The damage is done. So, and we can't blame women for, you know, doing things when they didn't know. Right. Yeah. Plus, alcohol is a legal drug. Let's not forget that. And a lot of people presume if it's legal, it's safe. Right. So, yeah, yeah. it's definitely I mean, <clears throat> I know as a um, I was a teen the first first time I got pregnant and I was mm -hmm. I mean, I was 15 years old, 16 years old, not very I wouldn't say not very bright, just like not understanding yeah. the world. And yeah. so, yeah, I mean, I knew a lot of my friends that had gotten pregnant and they used drugs or alcohol. And mm -hmm. um, I mean, I was not the best child either. So like, I get it. And you don't know yeah. until, I mean, you're yeah. at least a month in. And yeah. at that point, <clears throat> I mean, I'm sure the effects are yeah. already happening and some yeah. people continue to use throughout the pregnancy. And sometimes they yeah. even have them used so that there's not a withdrawal that the there's yeah, it's a very complicated situation, you know, so we really cannot be judgy towards the moms out there. You know, um, and besides that, fathers being impaired, whether it's drugs or alcohol, also have their own impact upon the baby, although it's it's not fetal alcohol exposure because you know, it does, it's not something that crosses the placenta, mm. but it changes the epigenetics of the baby. So, um, you know, so a lot of the damage is similar, but not quite identical. Yeah. So, <laughs> I know. Sorry. I'm No, you're good. <laughs> like my, said, insulin, you're my insulin pump is squawking at me. <laughs> it's like, come on, pay attention to me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's always been really fascinating or interesting to me as far as uh, the dynamics, um, mm -hmm. the generational type things as far as the male is concerned with children too. So yeah, um, that is really interesting. But so now you you moved into this training and consulting, mm -hmm. and um, what specifically yeah. do you train on? So my, my business is two-pronged. Um, I train professionals who have noticed perhaps that some of their clients aren't responding no matter what intervention they put in place, right? And chances are it's because that client has an unrecognized brain-based difference, whether it was caused by alcohol exposure or drug exposure, trauma, or any number of other things, for instance, if the cord gets wrapped around the neck during delivery, that lack of oxygen causes a lot of these same types of challenges, 
So the cause is actually, I would say infinite, but there are 50,000 things that affect a developing baby, their brain and their body. So um, it doesn't matter what the cause is. This model works no matter what. Um, but chances are if, if a client, whether it be a child or an adult, is not progressing or meeting their treatment goals, no matter what's tried, chances are there's an undiagnosed or unrecognized brain-based difference. And using the neurobehavioral model is what's going to do the trick. Mm, interesting. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about the neurobehavioral model. Okay. So where traditional traditional approaches, whether it's parenting or professional approaches, they're all based on learning theory. And they tend to be, especially if you use some type of behavior mod, those approaches assign meaning, right? Or um, <clears throat> intentionality and sometimes pathology to behavior. And um, that's actually, it doesn't consider what's causing the behavior. So you never get to what causes the behavior. You just treat the behavior. Um, but if you're not addressing the cause, which is a brain that might be working a little differently, then you're not going to get a sustaining effect to whatever intervention you put in place. So the neurobehavioral model looks at what are the underlying brain tasks that the things that the brain has to be able to do for a person to do whatever the behavior is successfully. So for instance, um, chewing and swallowing food is remarkably complicated. There are numerous openings in your mouth, right? And they all have to be very coordinated in the way that they open and close to prevent you from inhaling your food, right? Um, and that's just one biological function that is incredibly complex that we take for granted. So any behavior that you can think of, I and mean, behavior actually just references how something functions, right? Doesn't matter what it is. All it means is how something functions. There's no good, there's no bad, no right, no wrong. It's just how things work. And so if your brain has been rewired by whatever the cause, then it affects the way you function. Mm -hmm. So really what we're talking about are physical biologically based changes to the brain, but they're invisible. You don't see it, you know, um, getting back to FASD or fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. A lot of times if people question, could that be what my child is struggling with? They may be told, no, there's no facial changes. Can't be that it's, it's something else. Um, but, those facial changes only show up if alcohol is consumed on days 17 through 21. That's it. Mm. Five days. Wow. Outside of those, which is before women find out that they're pregnant. <laughs> yeah. And outside of those five days, alcohol is still damaging other brain structures, other body systems, right? Um. So the neurobehavioral model teaches you to link behavior 
with underlying brain tasks. So I know one, one behavior that a lot of parents are so frustrated by is their kids' inability to successfully take a shower, right? Have you, have you struggled with that at all? Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, yeah, the whole last and, week. <laughs> and that's a long, long held. I mean, Bill Cosby made fun of that back in the 60s, right? So <laughs> that it's, it's an age old problem, but that's because there's over 18 things that have to be done in sequence in the taking of a successful shower, right? Mm-hmm. So if you have an impairment that makes it very, very difficult to remember things, you're going to miss steps. Or you might have a challenge in being able to sequence things correctly. Mm -hmm. Right? And you can't very well put a note in your shower saying, do this in in the right order, because that paper's going to get all wet. (laughs) or the whiteboard's going to get all wet. It's not going to (laughs) work. So everything is so much more complex than we realize. It just goes to show we have a supercomputer here and we take it for granted. It's designed to work seamlessly behind the scenes, right? And the natural human assumption is to assume that other people's brains work the way ours do. And if I take my own brain function for granted, you can be sure I take yours for granted. (laughs) (laughs) It is. I mean, it is really interesting when you put it in perspective with, I mean, Mm -hmm. I have a seven-year-old and so he's been on uh, winter break and just realizing like, oh, we haven't taken a shower in quite a few (laughs) days. Like we should probably, you should probably take a bath. Like, I take a shower every day, but you don't, I mean, as a parent, you're like, you need to, but we don't do it. And they don't really acknowledge that they need to. So like putting it in that perspective, it's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And then just thinking about those steps. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's, I, I have had other guests we've talked about just breathing. I mean, our bodies make us breathe, but like those deep breaths, like that actual breaths that are going to help and cleanse our body. Mm-hmm. We don't and do renew those and restore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it is, yeah. it's interesting to think about those. It's all steps and there's so many yeah. things that have yeah. to happen to make that happen. So, yeah, I, every, every system in our body has to work in perfect coordination and it's the brain that does all that. Yeah. I know the brain it's, is so fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it really is. So um, I I mentioned that it was created, this model was created for fetal alcohol spectrum, but you can use it again, no matter what causes the damage, whether it's prenatal drug exposure or combination, right? Polysubstance abuse, um, or whether it's birth injury or no matter what it is. And there are diseases that also can cause the damage. Um, For instance, my mom has dementia. And so I use this model with her to explain to her what's happening Um, and also to make sure that I don't take her behavior personally, Mm -hmm. right? She's not doing anything to me. She's just doing the best she can in the moment. 
Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, that's really important to also acknowledge is, and I know, um, cause I have a, I have my master practitioner in neuro-linguistic programming and we talk a lot about is every behavior has a purpose, you know, or a positive intention. Uh, but sometimes it's hard to see that from the Mm -hmm. flip side and, um, our behaviors, I mean, they don't, I, they don't like identify us, right? Like it's not, sometimes our behaviors are not like who we are. And so it's important to remember that. But yeah. Yeah. And everybody does the best they can in the moment with what they've got. Right. But like I said, if we have brain-based differences that have never been identified, you know, because they're invisible to the world, everyone else assumes that what we're doing, we're doing on purpose. And we often get blamed, shamed, and punished for things that we are biologically wired to do. Yeah. I often, what I try to do, at least in certain situations, is, is this about me or is it about the other person? And Mm -hmm. that has been really, really powerful for me Mm -hmm. to just make that small little shift of, am I how am I going to react to this situation? Like, yeah. is it really yeah. truly about me or is it about that other person? And if it's about them, I can like, let it go and mm-hmm. not react so badly. Yeah. Um, and, or if it's about me, then maybe I need to take a look inside myself. Yeah. And that has been a huge mindset shift Game changer. Yeah. Yeah. Let me give you another couple questions that you can be asking. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> What if, what if my child's brain has something to do with their behavior, right? What is hard for them to be able to do whatever it is I've asked them to do, right? And that takes it, that enables us to not take things personally, right? If we can make that shift from won't to can't. You know, it's not that Johnny won't do something. It's that Johnny really can't do it without some supports put into place. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And how would you, so with, I mean, with the support added in there, what would Mm -hmm. that support look like? Is it that like clearly defined step by step or what is the best? Oftentimes. Yeah. So um, basically the, the process starts with an exploration. So um, the the program that I train is FACETS, Neurobehavioral Model. FACETS stands for Fetal Alcohol Spectrum Consultation Education Training Services. So they are based out of, I believe, Oregon or Washington, Oregon, I think. Um, And so they've been training people for years. It's um, if you've ever read the book, Trying Differently Rather Than Harder by Diane Malbum. That is a must read. If you have a neurodivergent child, then it will become your Bible. Um, It is so helpful. But the program, the neurobehavioral model program is based on that same body of of work, right? And so um, with this process, we start with an exploration of what brain tasks are challenging for someone. So Different brain tasks are broken down into categories. The first breakdown is primary versus secondary and tertiary. So primary behaviors 
are those which directly reflect the way your brain's wiring is, is different, right? What's unique about um, your ability to perform certain tasks, what's easy, what's difficult, right? How often is something um, problematic? Is a behavior problematic for you? Or how distressing is it? Um, secondary and tertiary behaviors, though, don't reflect the, the brain wiring, they reflect the poor fit between someone's abilities and others' expectations of them. So um, there's, there's a huge gap sometimes between what we expect of people based on their chronological age and what they're capable of based on their rate of development, which is often delayed it's not uncommon if you have um, these brain-based differences or if you've, you know, if you've been traumatized to have your social and emotional development lagging behind the development of the rest of you. So you may be having, you said your son is seven mm -hmm. chronologically. It would be as if he were a three and a half year old living in a seven year old body. Oh, wow. So other people need to adjust their expectations and remind themselves I'm dealing with a three and a half year old and provide the level of support that you would for a, that younger person, right? Clean your room looks different for a six-year-old than it would for a 17-year-old, right? But if that 17-year-old has significant impact on his development, then his skills in that area to be able to do all the things that go into cleaning a room might be around eight or nine. So you have to help him the way you would help an eight or nine-year-old kid, which is not to be condescending, but rather just to provide that level of support for where his skills are. Yeah. No, I mean, right. that makes complete sense. And even, <clears throat> even with like the seven-year-old, I still have to remind because we have a 19-year-old and a seven-year-old mm -hmm. and they're very, you know, even though the seven-year-old yeah. acts like the 19-year-old and the 19-year-old <laughs> acts like the seven-year-old at times, right? Yeah. <laughs> Although that, that dynamic happens, like we still have to, I have to remind myself and my husband, hey, he's only seven, right? Yeah. Like we can't, yeah. he's not, he may act like a little adult at times, but he's mm -hmm. not, he's still even without, you know, yeah. um, having the, the, any disabilities or anything, he right. still <clears throat> is still only seven years old. And I know, yeah. I mean, my son had seizures when he was about a year and a half old. And I know that mm -hmm. that created some challenges, but it's still just reminding yourself, like mm -hmm. they're still at that age and yeah. knowing if they have this neurodivergent brain mm -hmm. that they need to also have a little extra support. So yeah, 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 yeah. And that brings up another area. One of the reasons why people sometimes miss the fact that developmentally they're behind is communication and language, right? There are two different skill sets there. There's expressive language and there's receptive language. Well, these children often are much stronger when it comes to expressing themselves. So they can 
um, parrot back what you've told them to do very well, but it doesn't mean that they understand it, mm -hmm. that they, that they can translate the word into action. Yeah. Right. So that confuses a lot of people. You know, if you think about how um, kids with this developmental lag and it really, it's called dismaturity. Now, immaturity, you are developmentally on track, but you choose in the moment to act younger and you can snap out of it when you're confronted, right? Dismaturity is truly you have a different progression timetable for your development of those aspects of life. So, but let's follow, let's follow Johnny as he grows up in school, right? So he's in first grade, kindergarten, first grade, five or six years old, but he's acting like a three-year-old. He's going to get into some issues, but it's not going to be too bad, right? For the most part with play, he's still going to be playing like a toddler would, right? Side by side doing the same thing, but not taking turns or sharing, mm -hmm. right? because he's not old enough. He hasn't developed those skills yet because developmentally he's not five or six, right? But if you felt forward several years to when he Johnny's in junior high, right? He's 12 or 13, but he's still acting like a six-year-old or mm -hmm. seven-year-old. What's that gonna look like socially for him? He's gonna really be... Um, rejected at school. You know, the class bullies are going to manipulate him for their entertainment. Right? And but because he can speak well, he's going to keep getting passed and moved up where the gap between abilities and expectations continue to widen. Right? And if you fast forward again to he's an 18-year-old senior right? He excels in sports, right? Everybody loves his, his athleticism, but he's still, you know, reading on a fourth grade level. Mm -hmm. So how's that going to look for him? How stressed is he going to be with the expectations of all the teachers? What kind of social acceptance is he going to get? He's going to get the adoration on the field, but behind his back, people are going to say, dumb jock. Right? And it only gets harder and harder the older that you get. Um, but these differences can affect everything. They can affect memory, putting information into memory, getting information back out of memory. It can affect learning. Most people, when you're teaching something, um, don't mind repeating something once. They really don't mind repeating something a second time. By the time you're asked to repeat it a third time, chances are you're doing a big, okay, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but these kids need things repeated again and again and again and again, sometimes a hundred times. And if they finally get it by the end of the day, the next day, they might not remember any of it. It's as if they never heard it before. Wow. Right? 
So, I mean, it just, it affects everything. And, and again, it's the mismatch between abilities and expectations is the, yeah. is the big problem. I mean, it sounds like, it just sounds like it's so needed across the board and schools yeah. in general and yeah. just the understanding. And I know that at least the school that where my son is, they are really trying to see what the abilities of each mm -hmm. child are and kind of customize a little yeah. bit more, which is good. Yeah. But this, I mean, it just sounds like it's something that is highly, highly needed, especially yeah. in public schools. And then how do we support those kids as they grow up? Yeah. Because yeah. that could be, I mean, just life changing for yeah. any of them. Yeah. And these are developmental difficulties, right? That you don't outgrow them when you turn 18 or 21 or or 26 when you lose your parents' health care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, they they stay with you and they affect your ability to get employment, right? You know, they, they can affect our ability to understand abstract concepts. Mm -hmm. Well, much so much of our world is abstract, right? The concept of time, that's very abstract, right? And sometimes these kids have no concept of the passage of time which is why they're perpetually surprised when you say, I've been warning you, come on, it's time to go. <laughs> because for them, time stands still, right? Or um, money, that's another really confusing one, right? Why is a dime worth more than a nickel? <laughs> it's smaller, right. right? And bills that have different denominations on them, right? Why is one 100 bill worth more than four twenties. Mm -hmm. Who knew? Right. Yeah. I mean, it just, it just goes the ability and executive functioning, right. The ability to plan the ability to sequence steps, the ability to make comparisons, right. Now this is also abstract, right. To make a comparison, you have to have two thoughts and be able to do the pro and con analysis of each one and then compare them. Mm -hmm. well, if you really struggle with being able to do that, how much is that going to impact your life? How challenging will your life be? Right? Or learning from our mistakes. That's also something that is very challenging for these kids. And it's something that as parents typically we expect our kids to learn from mistakes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, it's yeah. just really important to understand the information and then, mm -hmm. I mean, just offering that extra support as yeah. they grow is going to yeah. make a significant change. I think in their stress and your stress level yeah. as a parent and or mm -hmm. business owner or whomever yeah. comes in contact with any, anyone that has these challenges come up. Yeah. So I know yeah. that you also have um, some things coming up soon that I people do. can jump in and learn a little yes. bit more. So would yes. you like to share those? Sure. I'd be, I'd be happy to. So for any professionals um, tuning in, I have an 18 hour facets neurobehavioral model training that will help you identify why some of your clients are struggling, what their needs are, what their strengths are, and how to work with them to develop accommodations, 
right? So that they can be more successful, so that they can grow um, and, and make progress. And so that is going to be on six consecutive Wednesday afternoons from two to five Pacific time, starting in a week and a half. So starting January 18th. And the cost of that is $529 for all 18 hours. It's my new year special. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, because if you go to facet, you'll pay more than that. So, and then I also provide a certificate of attendance, right. And completion. So, um, so you can get credit for your hours and then for families, for parents, I have a nine month program that combines the neurobehavioral training with training in a couple areas, also including trauma, right. Interge intergenerational trauma, attachment theory and how to recognize your child's attachment style and your own attachment pattern and how to change that so you can be a secure base for your child mm -hmm. and also training in parenting styles and why we tend to be one way in our head we're going to do it this way not the way mom or dad did <laughs> and we're fine as long as everything's calm but when poop hits the fan, we tend to revert to the way we were parented, which can look very different, right? Um, you know, that old saying, do as I say, not as I do, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, but it also combines, so there's, there's group training the first three Fridays of every month for nine months. So starting, it actually starts this Friday. So this week through the end of September, every Friday from one to two Pacific time um, on Zoom. And then also there will be one individual support session where I will work with everybody, you know, as a family, right? As a single parent or couple to help support the application of everything that's being learned. Right. Awesome. So, um, and that is three ninety five a month. So, and where can they go to find months. all these? Um, go to my website, which is patriciacasper.com right below, right? Or you can find me on Facebook at um, my business page is We Are All Diamonds in the Rough, and which is my little tagline. Because we all learn things in different order, right? Okay. So we, we can all use to keep growing. Um, and then also, I'm also on LinkedIn under Patricia Casper. So Awesome. Yeah. Well, any final, and again, yep, link is right down here. So if you want to join <laughs> any of her programs, please yeah. reach out. If you just want to understand a little bit more, you can probably ask her questions before you jump in too. So um, go check it out on the website or find her on LinkedIn or on Facebook. Yeah. And any last things that you wanted to share or oh. offer to the audience? I think that the number one thing is to always be willing to ask yourself, what if? What if my child's brain is the reason why they're acting this way or my spouse or whoever it is, right? What if the brain has something to do with it? 
I love that. <laughs> that is a great question to ask. Yeah. Well, Patricia, I appreciate you so much for coming on and sharing. I mean, that was such great information. And I mean, it's just, it really is. What if the brain has something to do with it? And um, that comes up often in my house. So I appreciate yeah. you sharing that too, but sure thing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you being a guest today. Thank you for having me on your show. Absolutely. All right, y'all. That was another amazing episode of Mental Health Mondays, where we talk to either professionals in the mental health space, advocates of mental health, or those that live with or experience a mental health challenge. And as a reminder, make sure you mash down that subscribe button if you're watching this on uh, YouTube. My brain's like, Bleh. see, my brain's even not functioning currently. But um, on YouTube, or if you're watching this on LinkedIn or Facebook, make sure you follow us. And as a reminder, this does stream across seven other platforms. So maybe listening is what you want to do more and you can go listen uh, across seven other platforms. So wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure you check it out. And if you want to be a guest, there's information in the comments. If you want to reach out to Patricia and join one of her um, upcoming uh, trainings, events, my see, my brain is like, blah, um, jump on her website. We drop the link. It's just patriciacasper.com. Um, rewind this, go check it out and um, get some more information. And as the very last reminder, we are still taking money for our climb for the mind. Uh, reminder, BCC Evolution is a 501c3 nonprofit. I am doing the 29029 Everesting Climb in August of this year. It is 2023, 30 miles up the mountain in the name of mental health and suicide prevention education. So please go and donate. The easiest, fastest way is really to just text CLIMB, the number four, MIND, to 44321. It is going to be the biggest challenge I've ever put my mind, my body, my spirit, my soul, my everything through. And that is why we're raising funds. Our goal is $60,000 and we have, we're over $4,000 right now. So go and donate Maybe you miss the end of the year donation. That's okay. Start early. You're in 2023 now um, and start early. Last um, thing I want to throw out is I just really appreciate all of you that have donated to the Climb for Your Mind. Um, we are going to make this challenge the biggest thing that we've ever done. And we have our tickets on sale for our annual gala if you're in Colorado. Uh, part of donating on the Climb for the Mind, depending on what level you're at, you can get tickets to our gala also. And that is February 18th this year. And it's 80s theme, so it's going to be fun. So hope to see you all there. And thank you so much for watching. Come back next week, uh, every Monday at 11 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. All right, y'all. Bye.